Julia Gerlach, Managing Editor of No-Till Farmer. Welcome to the No-Till Farmer podcast series, brought to you today by Freightstar. I encourage you to subscribe to the series, which is available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing will allow you to receive an alert about new episodes when they're released. I'd like to take a moment to thank Freightstar for sponsoring today's episode. Transporting heavy machinery doesn't have to be a hassle. Freightstar makes it easy with an online marketplace that connects you for free with a trusted network of professional brokers and carriers. Find out more at Freightstar.com. That's F-R, numeral eight, S-T-A-R, dot com. The disruptions to the food supply chain during the coronavirus pandemic of 2020 has been unprecedented, causing falling commodity prices, imbalanced supply and demand, shuttered manufacturing facilities, and excess perishable products that have been dumped left to rot or plowed under. On April 17th, U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue announced the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program, or CFAP, a $19 billion relief program designed to provide critical support to farmers and ranchers, maintain the integrity of the food supply chain, and ensure that Americans have access to the food they need. CFAP includes $16 billion in direct support to farmers and ranchers based on actual losses caused by the pandemic. It also includes $3 billion to purchase fresh produce, dairy, and meat that will be distributed to food banks and other nonprofits serving Americans in need. For this episode of the No-Till Farmer podcast, we'll hear from Sonny Perdue, who outlines the CFAP relief package and then takes questions from the press. Well, thank you and good evening, everyone. This is Sonny Perdue. I think most of you know by now that American agriculture, like many economy sectors in the United States and the world, have been hit hard by the coronavirus. But I do appreciate President Trump continuing to stand with our farmers and agreeing to provide much-needed assistance. In fact, I mentioned this afternoon that uh, many of you asked about a tweet he had uh, earlier in the year when I was telling our farmers that there would not be another MFP payment. He had uh, tweeted out, he'll do what it takes. So, you know, I think more than ever now, our country knows where our food comes from. They're depending on our farmers and ranchers to grow and produce that food that we need to live. And I think in times of national emergencies such as this, uh, that's become even more apparent. You've heard me say that the food supply chain has been resilient while having to adapt very quickly when food that used to go to restaurants now needs to go to retail outlets. I think when you really think about the fact that about half of our calories are consumed outside the home, that's been a dramatic shift in our consumption patterns and the misalignment of production and supply has created some real challenges here. As a result, farmers are seeing prices in their market supply chain affected by the virus like they never could have expected. But today, this afternoon at the White House, President Trump and I announced a $19 billion program to support the farmers who've been affected by these disruptions and maintain the integrity of our food supply chain. The program is essentially made up of two parts. First, there will be $16 billion in direct payments to our farmers and ranchers who've experienced unprecedented losses during this pandemic. For this portion of the program, our economists and USDA evaluated commodity-specific losses occurring during the mid-January to mid-April timeframe for immediate assistance. This program is open to farmers and ranchers regardless of size or market outlet if they suffered an eligible loss. We've also looked ahead to help provide additional assistance with cost and disruption to markets in the months ahead 
not really knowing what the demand destruction would be. We know that the disruption of markets and demand is significant, and these payments will only cover a portion of the impacts on farmers and ranchers. In the second part of the program, USDA is committed to purchase $3 billion in fresh produce, specialty crops, fruits, berries, vegetables, dairy, as well as meat protein to be distributed to Americans in need. This distribution will take in conjunction with the private sector uh, and going to food banks and other uh, nonprofit faith-based and community uh, operations there locally. We'll partner, as I indicated, with regional and local distributors whose workforce has been significantly impacted by the closure of many of their customers in restaurants, hotels, and other institutional settings. I do want to thank the president for his unwavering support for America's farmers and ranchers, and I committed to him today that USDA will implement this program as quickly, effectively, and efficiently as we can to provide as direct, quick, immediate financial relief to our farmers and ranchers, but allow also allow for the purchase and distribution of our agricultural surplus to help our fellow Americans in need. And I want to end by saying thank you to the, our, all of our food supply chain, but it begins with the farmers who are out there, even now, putting the seed in the ground and growing those crops with not knowing what's going to happen so that we can have enough to eat in the fall. We're so grateful for what all of you do and what the folks across the entire food chain do day in and day out to assure our American families are fed. Um, Megan, I'm now, uh, I'll now take a few questions and, uh, we're kind of like a little homebrew tonight. We're not in our USDA radio offices, so we'll do the best we can in accommodating you. Uh, Chris Clayton with DTN, and uh, thank you for taking questions, Secretary. You didn't mention uh, anything regarding potential aid to biofuels, and I'm wondering if, if you see something coming down the line in the future on that, I guess. Well, I didn't mention it because it's not included this time. Obviously, there are huge challenges in the biofuel, ethanol industry, that will affect our farm of corn growers and producers that uh, supply that. But frankly, at this point, there's just not enough money to go around. The demand from all the sectors was even more than we could accommodate at this time. Uh, and the macro energy issue is certainly affecting uh, all sectors of energy. So it's just more than we could do from the USDA perspective at this time. Yeah, good evening. Spencer Chase with AgriPulse. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you all having this call. I guess uh, sort, sort of a two-part question, if I may. Uh, first one being wondering uh, when you anticipate the departments will uh, will have checks in the mail on this, and uh, also wondering if there's any additional rationale that the departments either either has available now or plans to make available in terms of the calculations or how these calculations were developed. Thanks. The check in the mail obviously is always a question we should expect, and we I will tell you we're going to do it as quickly as possible. I'm pushing our people just like we have on our disaster and MFP payments. Frankly, by the time the rule gets published and software gets developed and everything, I'm hoping we can uh, get checks by the end of May. It's an arduous process, and uh, uh, but we are committed to uh, move out on this as quickly and uh, expeditiously as possible. But I'd like to give dates so we can be sure that we're doing that. Uh, our people really want to date longer than that, but we're going to push them to get these checks out in May. 
this is Siobhan Hughes with the Wall Street Journal. I'm interested in what you're doing in terms of getting testing to meat processors, and if you've had any conversations within the administration about prioritizing testing for the processing facilities over testing for you know, other kinds of businesses. Well, we have had several conversations, both the CDC, the administration, the employers, uh, the plant owners, as well as the governor and all the local health authorities there. Frankly, it is not the role of uh, USDA to get the test. We try to facilitate the connections that we're able and to let people know uh, of the urgent need there. That our processing facilities, certainly in pork, is critical. It's a just-in-time, very sophisticated, synchronized system, and we cannot afford for these plants to be offline very long. And I think the key to getting the workforce back there is to identify uh, where the positives are and who can come back to work. So we are working on that. That's not a primary USDA function. We are aware of it. We are talking with everyone to secure these, uh, and hopefully we can get these tests uh, uh, at the appropriate plants as quickly as possible so they can get back online. What has the feedback been so far when you've asked? Well, the feedback is obviously our the food, food supply chain has been labeled as 1A when health and workers are, are one. So uh, the fact is it's a scramble. There are tests needed in the hot spots of population across the country. But the answer from FEMA and the answer for the people working in that area is that we understand the need and we're going to get them there as quickly as possible. Good evening, Jackie Thacker with Feedstuffs and Farm Progress Companies. Uh, I was just curious, the CARES Act called for $9.5 billion for the livestock, dairy, specialty growers, and then another replenishment for the CCC in that. From the total $19 billion, can you maybe detail how this breaks out from that? And then also, what have you used from the trade mitigation efforts to apply how this funding will also be allocated? Certainly. Let's begin with the $9.5 billion in the COVID response. We had requested, obviously, at least $20 billion initially there with a top-off of replenishment of CCC of $30 billion there. Congress saw fit not to do that. It was in the bipartisan bill that was submitted in the Senate and got removed at some point after partisan discussions in that regard. We are free to use the 9.5 for really all situations. The CCC funds have to be used uh, in particular areas. We don't have the language that we've requested to be free to use those for all the COVID response. We did decide because of the immediacy of the need to get this money out as quickly as possible to use the nine and a half that's appropriated and the six and a half that we had residual in our CCC account that will allow us to, to do the uh, $16 billion in direct payments currently. The $14 billion that you may be referring to of CCC replenishment uh, will not be available to us until July, and I felt like it was imperative to uh, move more quickly and get to get these areas covered for our first quarter losses because I'm not sure people can hang on long, long enough until July to uh, wait for that money. But we do anticipate further needs. We'll be looking at second quarter losses as we go forward and have a better uh, data position of knowing what the exact uh, exact numbers are as we're going forward. I anticipate that uh, we will need uh, additional money. Oh, hi, good evening. I'm ABC News. I had a question about the the logistics of the purchase and distribution program. 
The release mentions that the products will be distributed in pre-approved boxes, and I'm wondering that kind of sounded similar to the Harvest Box proposal. I'm wondering if that is consistent with past uses of, of this kind of aid program and, and what that will mean for the timeline of getting products from producers to these food banks and other places. Well, if you don't mind the pun, this is an out-of-the-box example of uh, what we're trying to do. It, uh, it is new and different. We've never done this before, but uh, in realigning the uh, supply, much of the conversation you heard about milk dumping has been to do with the dual processing system we have in this country. When about half of our calories are consumed outside of a home, you have a whole chain of processing that serves those institutional uh, customers, and the others serve the, the grocers. That's where most of the misalignment has come from, the dislocation of the supply uh, for those selling in the processors that went into the institutional market had no place for their product. We are working with our private providers such as Cisco and our food service providers and logisticians in that way to help uh, put meat, both protein, both uh, produce, as well as dairy products in those boxes in the packaging, and they're using their workforce to help us deliver uh, prepackaged boxes to the uh, food banks and other distribution centers in order to make it as, as easy as possible rather than having the food banks to have to have workforce to put all those together. They are lacking volunteers, as they tell us now, so we're trying to make it as easy as they can to just to deliver and distribute the boxes that it will be delivered to them. We'll get back to Sunny Purdue in a moment, but I want to take time once again to thank our sponsor, Freightstar, for supporting today's episode. Transporting heavy machinery doesn't have to be a hassle. Freightstar makes it easy with an online marketplace that connects you for free with a trusted network of professional brokers and carriers. Find out more at Freightstar.com. That's F-R numeral 8 S-T-A-R dot com. Now let's get back to Sonny Purdue as he shares more details on how the coronavirus food assistance program will help farmers. This is Brian Almer from The Barn. Secretary Purdue, thanks for hosting the press conference call this evening and for your work in helping the agriculture industry each and every day, especially during these trying times. But what does the $500 million for other crops include that was stated in the COVID aid relief for ag? Is that uh, is some of that for the hemp industry? Well, not necessarily. It's for anybody who has damages. You think that you don't see the horticulture listed exam, uh, exactly. You don't see a number for uh, sheep or lambs or goats in there. So there will be other extraneous people coming along that we identify as we go forward after the rules, as we develop the rules that we have to accommodate for. So we want to leave some room there for these uh, sectors that will obviously face uh, in agriculture, face some of the same price disruption and decimation that we've seen in other crops. So those are some examples of some of the things that uh, we would have. Hemp growers, uh, if they demonstrate a loss, they'll be, uh, they'll be considered like other crops. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. High Plains Journal. Uh, and I wanted to ask, I read a anonymously sourced story today that a part of what was being considered was some measure to reduce wages of migrant uh, workers. Is there any truth to that story whatsoever? That doesn't have anything to do with uh, the coronavirus food assistance program at all. That's not part of this uh, this program whatsoever. 
Yes, I write for the Hagstrom Report and for National Journal and also for DTN. It seems clear that you can't possibly answer all the demands or requests from agriculture from the letters that you have gotten in the last few weeks. What's your assessment of the the reports that these various ag groups have sent to you about their losses compared with what you can provide? Uh, How does that compare with USDA's assessment of the problems uh, in agriculture at the moment? Certainly, Jerry, you're aware that many industry sectors will uh, uh, use the highest number they can find to justify, and they'll get economists to do that. We have to rely on our own uh, internal economist, Dr. Rob Johansson at USDA, to estimate, uh, and we try to uh, ground truth that with Fafri, uh, who out of Missouri, who does a good job in economy, economic ag economy as well, and, and do that. But you need you're absolutely correct. We don't know that uh, we we don't expect that we've met all the needs. Uh, that's why I indicated that I do believe there will be further data as we go along. We're not going to make uh, everyone uh, uh, content with this this initial tranche, and many people will feel like it's insufficient. But we're doing everything we can to cover as many people, both smaller farmers as well as larger farmers, in that. Uh, effort, and uh, we'll have to see where the gaps are in order to address later on. But uh, it is it is regretful, and not that we're going to be able to hit the bullseye every time. But uh, Dr. Johansson did, a, in, in retro, retrospect, did a pretty good job with our estimation on MFP payments. This is a little bit different than that. We don't know right now what the demand destruction will be going forward, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to expedite this initial payment and then we'll get more data about what the ultimate demand is regarding how quickly we come out of this, how quickly our restaurants and our institutional settings reopen in order to regain our supply chain. I'm with uh, National Public Radio. Um, A follow-up on this sort of this new alternate supply chain that you're using with companies like Cisco to buy the commodities and transfer them on, package them, send them to the food banks. Uh, the, the food banks, as you mentioned, are short of people these days. Is there any money for them as well to try to you know, handle this, hire more people, bring more volunteers in? Or will the companies like Cisco, do you think they would end up setting up distribution points of their own? We don't anticipate right now that Cisco or those types of food service deliveries, logistical people will set up uh, distribution on their own. That's probably not out of the realm of possibility, but we're not anticipating that right now. The uh, food banks are known, the uh, known points of distribution, the people who need the food know where they are, and that's the likely source. I think my earlier answer to a question was we hope to prepare these boxes to take a load off of the uh, off of the food uh, banks and uh, and their lack of volunteers in order to get the job done. It is my understanding that the CARES Act did provide some funding for their administrative and other efforts into the food bank, and uh, that that uh, uh, we believe that to be true. We've seen the numbers, and we think that will help them. It's uh, they do tell us they're short of volunteers uh, just because people are concerned about their own selves and uh, in that way. That's why we tried to work a program with our institutional food service people 
in order to be as uh, expedient as possible in helping to deliver this food. Hi, sir. It's PJ Hubsetter with Reuters News. Thank you so much for taking uh, calls. I just wanted to follow up actually on the NPR uh, question just to get a little bit more clarity. So is it that USDA is going to be funneling the the money through the distributors, like through the Cisco's, as opposed to going through like the normal procurement process uh, like we saw with MFP? We may be doing both. Uh, obviously, we can use this uh, private sector uh, system to purchase the uh, produce and then uh, in a reimbursement type of way on our behalf in order to get that to the food banks. That has not probably been fully developed at this point in time. Uh, our uh, agricultural marketing service, which is uh, really our procurement arm of USDA, is working really both channels of how we can efficiently uh, relocate uh, the dislocated supply chain from where there is abundance and uh, waste and to, uh, to places where that food is needed. So it's going to be a, a logistical Rubik's Cube, and our AMS people are already working on how to develop the relationships and the protocol and the finances and the, uh, uh, the essential types of uh, contract points with the food service vendors. Uh, yeah, this is Jenny Schlecht with AgWeek Magazine and AgWeek TV. Uh, we're hearing a lot from the, the livestock industry that uh, the problem that they're facing is not just right now. It's with the consolidation of the uh, packing industry. Can you give us any sort of update on, on the investigation going on into that? Well, unfortunately, I can in the middle of an investigation. It's not prudent to discuss uh, findings thus far. We've extended that investigation. I think there's a legitimate concern among growers and cattle people of the divergence that we've seen in retail prices versus live prices there. Uh, I plan to probably expand that uh, into a larger task force that we could be inclusive of a, in a, a task force type of way to help us understand the marketing and why this occurred. You may recall back at the Holcomb fire, uh, that occurred. There has been consolidation uh, in the industry. Uh, they've given us some reasons why this divergence takes place. Uh, I'm not totally uh, satisfied with all those answers, but I'd love to hear from every sector, including the packing and processing, the growers, the cow-calf operations, as well as the uh, further retailers uh, in that way to help us determine what is a long-term solution to this effort. You know We've also been involved with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission in order to help us uh, get more transparency and convergence between our futures prices and our and our live cattle prices. Uh, to use that tool, use futures tool, there has to be convergence or it doesn't mean anything. So uh, we're going to continue to explore. I'm sorry I can't give you any interim type of uh, data right now, but we are continuing and extending that and uh, we'll welcome input from the various sectors along that supply chain of cattle. Brownfield Ag News Network. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. You've talked about the supply chain disruptions, about companies like Cisco repackaging for the food banks. Is there anything USDA is doing or can do with this new program to help coordinate with industries and states to identify processors or packagers and move some product to places that can get it to the consumer a little better. I know in Wisconsin we've got a, a checkoff program working with the state ag department moving some 
milk that was to be dumped to a bottler and then off to a food bank. Is there some way that the federal government can help coordinate some of things like that? If I've ever been clear in my explanation, I've tried to explain that's exactly what we're trying to do, utilize and partner with the private sector with all the potential out there to match these uh, oversupply and underutilization together in doing that. That's what uh, Agricultural Marketing Service has been doing with our uh, supply chain of the of the food service suppliers. Obviously, uh, we would welcome people doing this on a local or regional basis when they see a need of how uh, our surplus milk, uh, rather than being dumped, could be utilized, even if it's the milk uh, solids there. And uh, we would welcome any other participation from the private sector in doing that. But I guess I've tried to describe that's what we are trying to do at USDA is to facilitate these partnerships rather than being in the middle of everything, uh, helping people to work together to meet one another's needs. Uh, yes, hi. Thanks for doing the call tonight. I'm with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And the, the question I have, please, Mr. Secretary, is some of the farm groups were asking for a reopening of the dairy margin coverage program and also, also for some type of short-term supply management in dairy. Um, could you explain, please, why you decided not to include those in this package? Well, first of all, the supply management is a much longer, more more serious uh, contemplation and question that way. Uh, it also was uh, very expensive in that regard. Uh, on the dairy margin coverage, we chose not to do that because although it was big request, uh, that is an insurance program. And uh, we, we literally begged people to sign up last year uh, when Congress did a, a wonderful, generous thing uh, for dairy farmers in the Farm Bill, allowing them to retroactively in 2019 go back from January 1. Uh, the Dairy Margin Coverage Program is a insurance program, just like the safety net for crops. It doesn't make any sense to have an insurance program and allow people to retroactively decide to have coverage at whether they need it after they need it. That it, it violates a principle that only trains people to uh, to not take the insurance as they should, and then uh, apply for ad hoc disaster or subsidies later on when prices uh, uh, go down. So I, I feel very strongly about the uh, the principle insurance here. We chose to indemnify uh, dairy people in other ways rather than to uh, uh, rather than reopen the dairy margin coverage program retroactively. KWCH-TV in Wichita, Kansas. Thank you, Secretary, for answering some questions. Um, a couple parts of that. The nine and a half specific to the livestock, if it's being used elsewhere now, will that amount that was set aside come back to them um, with the low prices they've been seeing? And, and the other part, quite simply, will there be paperwork for farmers and ranchers to fill out, or do you and the department have the information you'll need to determine those payment amounts? Well, I don't want to be too facetious, but does anything happen to the federal government without paperwork? Uh, you know, yes, there will be applications that they, uh, both the crops uh, will be able to go into. Uh, those that are, are registered FSA will be applying for these uh, payments, justifying, self-certifying, and demonstrating their damage in the FSA offices. Those who do not have a history on the, the produce, especially crops, will probably be handled through uh, the Ag Marketing Service through the uh, PACA-like program, the uh, Perishable Commodity 
uh, perishable agricultural commodity program in that way, that these are people that are not used to participating in farm programs, and they will make application into the uh, Agricultural Marketing Service to justify and document their, uh, their losses. While we are very compassionate toward those that are lost, we also have a fiduciary responsibility to maintain the integrity of these programs, and we expect to be audited by the OIG in the years to come to make sure how well we did that. So while we, uh, we want an honor system that helps us move quickly, we've got to have a program that also ensures that uh, federal uh, taxpayer dollars are used wisely and uh, without fraud, fraud in that regard. So we will be setting up a program that does that to the best of our ability. I thank all of you for joining. I know you probably have more questions, and we'll be. This won't be the last time we talk. We'll be available and throughout the beginning of the week, and uh, we'll have as much information as we can uh, can share with you, both honestly, forthrightly, and transparently. So, thank you all for joining us tonight. And you all have a good evening. Thanks to Sonny Purdue for sharing his insights on the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. To listen to more podcasts about no-till topics and strategies, please visit notillfarmer.com forward slash podcasts. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Freightstar, for helping to make this no-till podcast series possible. If you have any feedback on today's episode, please feel free to email me at jgerlock at lessetermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2404. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Play Store to get an alert as soon as future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest no-till farming news by registering online for our no-till insider daily and weekly email updates and dryland no-tiller e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at No-Till Farmer with Farmer spelled F-A-R-M-R and No-Till Farmer Facebook page. For our entire staff here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Managing Editor Julia Gerlach. Thank you for listening. <laughs>